in your life, in this growing relationship with Jesus Christ, there will be one word that comes in opposition to you every time you get to the very edge of breakthrough. Every time you get to the very edge of breakthrough, this word will stand in opposition to you every time. This word and what it stands for is the reason why you have anxiety. You don't have any peace. You're not able to sleep well at night. You're anxious throughout the day. This word and what it stands for is the reason why you have fear. You haven't stepped out and done that idea that you've had for years. This word and what it stands for is the reason why you haven't been able to break that bad habit or kick that addiction. This word and what it stands for will stand in opposition to you every time you get to the very edge of breakthrough. It's this word right here. Impossible. Impossible. At some point in your life, you've heard this word. You've maybe said this word. But every time you're about to do something great, this word will come up. What does this word mean? Well, the dictionary says it means not able to occur, exist, or be done. It can't happen is really what I'm trying to say here. You're about to do something great, and what you hear back is probably going to be, it can't happen. You're about to have breakthrough, and maybe in your own mind you're saying, I don't think this can happen. Or what about this? Maybe it's unfeasible, impractical, unimaginable, words like this. Or how about this? Inconceivable, unattainable, unachievable. We cannot do this this quarter. We've never had growth like this in the whole history of our organization. I, I don't think the right, it's the right timing to launch that new project. But you know, you know that you know deep down it is. You know that you know that you've heard from God about something. These words are going to come against you every single time. Or what about this? Hopeless. Hopeless. Your grandfather dealt with this. Your father dealt with this. You'll deal with this. So on and so forth. Your grandmother dealt with this. Your mother, you will. And so on and so forth. This is just how the Smiths are. This is just how the Joneses are. This, this, this is, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. We can't break from this thing. It's just a part of our family. Or it's far-fetched. No, that, that idea is too big for us. No, we got to think much, much, much smaller. These words will come against you every single time. What about this one? Ridiculous. As a Florida sports fan, I am guilty of saying this word many, many times. <laughs> I'm a Miami Heat fan, and we had some good years. We've had some not-so-good years. So, uh, yeah, many times. Ridiculous. Come on, get it together. Yeah, whatever. Outlandish, irrational. What am I saying here? Whatever it is, any one of these words will come against you. They will stand in opposition to you. They're, these words represent a pile that builds up and it becomes a mountain in your life. These words represent a mountain. It is time for you to do the impossible. It is time for you to, ex to experience breakthrough. But this mountain will be in your way every single time. What's your mountain? What's your mountain? What is the thing that is impossible to do? What is it that you've been feeling? Okay, it's time for me to break this thing. I, I can't live like this any longer. 
It's time for me to step out and do this great idea that I've had. I've prayed about this. We've been fasting for this. It's time for me to step out on faith on this thing. What's your mountain? Well, over 2,000 years ago, a group of guys, they had a mountain. They had a mountain that they could not overcome. As the disciples, they had been meeting with Jesus and walking with Jesus, and Jesus had been teaching them the ways of the Spirit. He'd been teaching them the ways of the kingdom of heaven. He's been teaching them, hey, here's how you heal people. Here's how you do the impossible. And he sent them out. He sent out the disciples. He commissioned them. He said, I've given you authority to do this thing. I've given you authority to heal the sick and cast out demons and bring freedom and deliverance. I've given you the authority to do that. And so he sends the disciples out and the disciples go out and they start experiencing some really great breakthroughs. They start doing some impossible things until they get to a mountain. They get to this mountain. This young boy, this young boy had epilepsy. He had seizures. He was demonically possessed. And they prayed like they'd always prayed, but they could not heal the boy. He needed freedom and deliverance and they couldn't do it. So the boy was brought to Jesus and immediately when he's brought to Jesus, Jesus heals him, delivers him, and the boy is totally fine. Well, later on, the disciples pull Jesus aside and they say, how are you able to do this and we're not? I I thought you gave us the authority to do these things. Why didn't this thing happen? And Jesus gives them the key. He gives them the key to doing the impossible. So this is what Jesus says. He says in Matthew chapter 17, he says, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, your mountain, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. What's your mountain? What's your mountain? This morning, living by faith. Faith is the key to experiencing the impossible in our lives. Jesus said it. He said it back in Matthew. Matthew chapter 17, he says, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, move, and it would move. Faith is the key. Living by faith is the key to experiencing the impossible in your life. I could change that word experiencing to unlocking. It's the key to unlocking this whole thing. Well, Years ago, when I was much younger than I am now, I've always had this fear of heights, all right? Not necessarily in planes. I could do planes. I could do hotels and high rises. I I can do all that because I felt secure. I'm in a room. I I can peek over like a glass window. I'm okay with that. But if I'm like on the edge of a balcony and I don't really feel like it's too safe, I I wasn't the kid that was jumping off of the roof and all. No, no, absolutely not. No way. So years ago for my 21st birthday, a friend of mine calls me up and he says, hey man, your birthday's on Friday and then our mutual friend Brad, his birthday is on Saturday. He said, look, it's your 21st birthday. We're going to do something incredible. And I'm like, all right, you've got my attention. And he says, we're going to do something that's going to be a flagpole on this day. Milestone, 21st birthday, you'll never forget this. So I said, all right, I'm, I'm still listening at this point. We're going to jump out of a plane. <laughs> so in my mind, I'm like, nope, no way, that's not going to happen. You're, you're out of your mind. But then out of my mouth, I say, dude, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. 
I was 21, 21, all right? <laughs> so he lays out the plan for me, and the, the day comes for us to jump out of this plane, and we meet up at Brad's house, and we decide we're all going to meet, yeah, we're all going to get in the same car and drive over to the skydiving place. Now, we're young guys. We don't have a ton of money, but I'm going to go ahead and preface this story with a little bit of wisdom. This is totally unrelated to the story, but you're going to want to pay attention here. There are some things in your life you're going to want to save money on. Do not save money on skydiving. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) We didn't know that. So we found the cheapest place we could find (laughs) to go skydiving. So we get in this car, the four of us, and, and we drive over to, we're in South Florida, this Wellington, uh, and we drive over to the, the rural part of Wellington, and I'll never forget these, these details right here. I mean, I, I'm not making this up. We turned down this old dirt road, and the dirt road was called Flying Cow Road. <laughs> so that's my first red flag. Okay, maybe I shouldn't do this after all. <laughs> And then we drive about a a mile, half a mile, make a right-hand turn once we see this rickety sign. It's got holes in it. It says skydiving with an arrow that's like slanted and pointing. So we turn down that path, and we're like, this must be the place. (laughs) We turn there, and then we get to this clearing, and we see two things on this open lot. To my right, I see a single-wide trailer, and to the left, I see the most run-down, beat-up, most rickety plane I have ever seen in my entire life. I'm not thinking anything of it because this plane can't fly. Surely this isn't the plane. So I'm not even thinking about this. So we go up to the trailer, we knock on the door, and two guys stumble out, a couple years older than us, and they're like, hey, we're your skydiving instructors. It's like, red flag. <laughs> and so, uh, so we go through the process and they start, you know, giving us the training. Here's what you're going to do. These are the guys that are packing the parachutes, by the way. I don't have any confidence in these guys, right? Well, that was my biggest fear at that point. But then they told us this thing. They're like, oh yeah, there's one more guy. He's in the trailer. He's your pilot. Uh, he's going he's gonna to come out in just a second here. He's, he's a little hungover from last night. <laughs> I'm not making any of this up. Call Brad. Brad will tell you. (laughs) The pilot is hungover. All right. So being 21, we've got a little bit of wisdom here. We've seen, you know, how things are progressing here. So what we decided to do was sign the death waivers and get strapped up to to do this thing. (laughs) So we get on the plane and it was a four seater. They took out three of the seats because we couldn't fit in there. So we're just like squeezed into this rickety plane. It's making so much noise. And we get up, we start climbing up to 10,000 feet. At that moment, I'm not even thinking about the heights. What I'm thinking about is if this pilot passes out or goes down, I'm rolling out of this plane. And number two, I remember you don't really, there's certain sensations you don't realize in certain environments. For example, when you're in an airplane, something that you don't feel is like a big gust of wind. You really don't want to feel that because you're in a plane. Well, no, I felt a huge gust of wind in this plane. I look over to my right. There's a hole about this big on the door of the plane. So at this point, it's like, all right, I mean, it's too late. I'm 10,000 feet in the air. I got to jump out of this plane. And we do. And it, it was fun. And we land. And I'll never forget my 21st birthday ever again. But there's a key moment in this story. There is a point that I want you to hear and understand. 
If you remember this story, I want you to remember the components of this story. So my mountain, my fear was heights. So me trying to get on a plane and climb up 10,000 feet and jump in the air, I wasn't brave enough to do that. But the key thing, the critical thing in that entire day was getting in the car with those three guys. That was the key. Because once I got in the car, I was bound to get there. Once the other guys, I'm looking to my left and my right, they're not seeing the red flags. That was the key thing for me. For me to face my fear of jumping out of a plane, I needed to get into the car. So for us to do the impossible, we need a key. We need a key thing that we can do. Something smaller than this huge mountain that we see, we need a key. And by the way, I don't think I'm afraid of heights anymore or as much as I am of small aircraft. I don't do small aircraft, so I just traded my fear there. So. But there's a key. There is a key. To do the impossible, we need a key. And living by faith is the key to experiencing the impossible in our lives. So how do we use this key? What are the components of this key? If we're going to do the impossible, if we're going to experience breakthrough, if we are going to conquer this mountain, how do we use the key? How do we use it? Well, number one, we've got to believe in his love. This is important. This is important. We've got to believe in God's love. You've got to believe that God actually does love you, love you enough to give you the ability to do the impossible. Every one of us here, we have the ability to do the impossible, but we have to understand God's love. Let's read about God's love in the book of Romans. It says this, so what does this all mean if God has determined to stand with us? Tell me then who could ever stand with us? against us. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. Let's say that, the gift of his son. The gift of his son. That's important. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else, has, anything else he has to give. Here's what that means. If he gave you his greatest treasure, the gift of his son, everything else he has to give you, that's easy. The hardest thing was the gift of his son, and he gave that freely. So everything else that he has, that's easy. That's, that's, that's much easier than giving us his greatest treasure. So if he gave you his greatest treasure, what does that say about how much he loves you? Next verse. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. There is no power above us or beneath us. No power. This is talking about identity. This is important. You have to understand that now that you have God's love, you're a recipient of God's love. He gave you his greatest treasure. Now, like I was saying before, you're no longer the Joneses or the Smiths where you always have these things in in your family line. You're always going to be dealing with these things. Now, because of the love of God, you've got a totally new last name. You've got a totally new inheritance. You've got breakthrough on the inside of you. You have the ability to see breakthrough and do the impossible on the inside of you. And because of God's love, he's given you permission to use that. So let me say that whole thing in a different way. So I have a smartphone here, have an iPhone, 
And with this phone, I can do all kinds of things. I can send out emails. I can uh, go online and buy stuff. My wife can go online and buy stuff. And <laughs> we can do all kinds of things with our phone. We can text things. If I give you this phone, you could call anyone in the world. You can run up my bill and call South Korea if you'd like to. You could download the Harborside app. Shameless plug right there. You can do all kinds of things with this phone. But if I give you the phone, even though the phone has the ability to do all kinds of things, and if I give you this phone, but I never give you the pin, if I never give you the pin, you don't have access to all the things this phone can do. You need the key. You need the pin. You need permission to use the phone to unlock all of its ability. You have the ability on the inside of you. God has given you permission, the pin to unlock it, and that's through his love. That's why it's mission critical to understand the gift that God gave you, the gift of his son, because that's the pin to unlock this whole thing. So you got to believe in his love. Well, another thing that you have to believe in, you have to believe in his word. What has God said? His word, you have to hang on to the word. You've got permission, but you have to believe in his word because the word of God The word of God is what's going to allow you to get breakthrough in different areas in your life, areas that you didn't even think were possible. For example, when I was a kid, I grew up in church. I wasn't just in church every time the doors were open. I was in church before the doors were open. My mom had us in the parking lot an hour and a half before. I kid you not. And so I'm six and seven years old dying in the church parking lot. I'm bored. What are we going to do? And so my friend and I, we would always get into trouble and run around the church and different things. And I remember Sunday school, we used to sing this song, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. And thinking back to that story, yes, Abraham, Abraham did have many sons, but there's a critical point. There's a critical point in Abraham's story. Well, God came to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. As a matter of fact, you and your wife, you're going to have a son. She's pregnant right now. And Abraham and Sarah, they laughed. They didn't believe it. Well, why didn't they believe it? Well, because at the time, Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old. So let's take a pause right there. So you doctors, you nurses, medical practitioners, it's like tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, you're at work, and two patients walk in. It's a husband and wife. He's 100. She's 90. And he says, hey, we're here for an ultrasound. I knocked up my wife. How long before you send them to the other hospital, right? (laughs) You got the wrong place, pal. But that's what happened. God said, hey, look, Sarah, you're going to have a kid. You're pregnant right now at 190 years old. And that's exactly what happened. We talk about this in the, uh, Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. He uses Abraham as an example. In Romans, he says this, let me use Abraham as an example. It is clear that humanly speaking, he was the founder of Judaism. What was his experience of being made right with God? Was it by his good works of keeping the law? No. So was it because he did good Christian things every day and checked all those boxes? No. So then what is it? For if it was by the things he did, he would have something to boast about, but no one boasts before God. If it was just because he checked all the boxes of being a good Christian that God was selecting him and using him to do the impossible, then he could say, yeah, you know, I've got this. There's pride in there. Yeah, it's because of all the things that I did that all these things were, were able to happen. But no, th- that's, that's not what allowed him to do the impossible. It's this. 
Listen to what the scriptures say. Because Abraham believed God's words, his faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. Let's read that last portion again. Because Abraham believed God's words, his faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. There was a transfer that happened. It was faith. 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 Faith in God's word. Faith in God's word. That's what transferred it. This is great news because now, okay, we've got, we're, we're, we're no longer this other thing. Now, now we're not the Jones, we're not the Smiths, we're, we're children of God. And so we have an inheritance, which is great. That's coming. Inheritance for tomorrow is great. But what this is saying is with faith, you get an allowance. With faith, you get a measure for today. And the faith that you have, you're going to need that. This is key, mission critical. Your faith in God's word. Believing in God's word will transfer the impossible into your account. This is what this is saying. And then the next verse says this. When people work, they earn wages. It can't be considered a free gift because they earn it. This is great news if you came here and you didn't check all the Christian boxes off. I haven't been living right. I haven't been doing the right things. I was bound by something last night. I came in here with the weight of the world on my shoulders. This is good news for you. This is good news for you because if it was by what you worked and what you did and how good you were, then yes, you would have a measure. But this is, this is a free gift. It can't be earned. So you, what does this mean? You can walk in today bound with the mountain on your back. It's not even in front of you. You feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. You can walk in this morning with it on you and you can leave free. You can leave free this morning. Because it's not because of what you've done. It's not because of what you did, good or bad. It's a free gift. You can't buy it. It's totally free. Jesus paid it for you. You can leave free this morning. So how? How do we do this? How do we put this into action? The ability is on the inside. I've got the faith key. I can unlock the door to unleashing the impossible. How do I actually put this into action? Well, we're going to talk about that, and we're actually going to do that this morning. And the key to doing it, the key to putting faith into action, is praying for the impossible. You must pray for the impossible. Pray for the impossible. In January 12, 2010, Category 7 earthquake rocked the nation of Haiti, an already third world impoverished nation got hit with the biggest natural disaster that they had ever experienced. Hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives. Hundreds of thousands more were injured. Millions of people were displaced from their homes. During that time, there was a short-term missions team that was in Haiti. They were actually visiting the orphanage that my parents have. (laughs) And at the time, there was no way to get in contact with anybody in Haiti because phone lines were down, communication was down, no electricity. So you can imagine all the people back here in the States who are trying to get in contact with their mothers and fathers husbands, wives, sons and daughters. There was a leader, a part of the team, who had a satellite phone. 
And with that satellite phone, he was able to call back to the States and say, we're all okay. The compound was far enough away from the earthquake that everybody's safe, everybody's sound, we're doing okay, which was great. Well, as they're using the satellite phone over and over again, the battery dies and there's no electricity to charge it. Well, even though we heard that the compound was okay and the short-term submissions team was okay, what we also heard is that my parents were at church in Port-au-Prince, which is near the epicenter, and they hadn't heard anything from them. And so that night when the battery died on the satellite phone, my sisters and I, we lost connection with our family, with our mom and dad, with any kind of information. So we, we prayed all we could do. We just, we prayed. We went three days and didn't hear anything. Not one word. Until finally, we got a call. They got electricity back, charged with the satellite phone. And we got a phone call and we heard my mom and dad's voice on the other end. And man, that was awesome. Then they told us the story of what had happened. They were in the church, and they had just come back from a ministry opportunity with about 20 of their leaders. And they were in the church thanking God and praying because they'd had successful ministry. And as they were praying, the walls of the church began to shake. The foundations began to shake. And the way my mom and dad described it to me, they could look back to the back door of the church and it was daylight but as the walls and the foundation began to shake it went completely black and they described the church feeling like it was shaking and shaking and shaking and it started moving forward is what it felt like it felt like the church was moving forward and they continued to pray and then it felt like the church stopped and then it started shaking and it went back into its place and then it rested that's what it felt like for them in there they continued to pray for another 30 minutes after the trembling had stopped. A man was walking by and he said, hey, you guys need to come out here and check this out. They had no idea what had happened. But when they had walked out, they realized that every building to the left and every building to the right had been flattened to the ground. But the church was still standing strong. Maybe your mountain isn't literal walls. Maybe it's not your house crumbling. But is it the foundation of your marriage? Maybe the walls that are shaking are not your business. Maybe it's not the literal walls of the business. But you've been dealing with fear and anxiety and rejection. You've been feeling that every single day. What's your mountain? What's your mountain? Your mountain in comparison to your faith. It doesn't matter how big your mountain is. It doesn't matter what it is or how big it is. You just need a mustard seed of faith. That's all you need to move the mountain. What's your mountain this morning? What's your mountain? Well, this morning, we're going to unlock the impossible. We're going to use faith as the key. We're going to experience the impossible. We're going to practice that this morning. We're going to use prayer. We're going to use faith. And we're
we're going to have breakthrough this morning. If we're going to win the day, if we're going to win the year, we need faith. We need faith. We need faith to do the impossible. Faith. We need faith. Let's all stand. In a moment, I'm going to have the prayer partners come down. But for right now, let's all stay where we are and go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. Now, in this moment, some of you may be thinking about that mountain. In this moment, the mountain is a thing that you're envisioning in front of you. Fear, greed, rejection. Whatever it is, addiction. Can your daughter come back home? Can your son come back home? Whatever it is. That's what you may be thinking about right now. I want to challenge you to begin to pray in faith. Focus on growing that faith seed. Mountains big, doesn't matter how big though. You just need that mustard seed. So we're going to take the next 20 seconds and do that. Focus on the faith seed. Focus on the faith seed. Can God do it? Yeah. Has he put the ability to do it on the inside of you? Yeah. You've got permission to use it. You've got the pen. You've got all you need. Doesn't matter how big. Doesn't matter how long it's been here. Let's use that faith key. If you need help with this, I want to invite the prayer partners to come down. If you need help with this, you need some people to partner with you and pray with you. Do not leave today the same way you came. Do not leave today carrying the mountain. Do not leave today with that. Leave today with the seed. That's an easier thing to carry. Leave today with the seed. So if you need help today, take advantage of the opportunity of these prayer partners. They're here with you to pray in faith. Living by faith is the key to experiencing the impossible in your life. Lord, we thank you. God, you make the impossible possible. You make the impossible possible. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for giving us the key. Thank you for giving us permission. You've given us everything that we need. God, thank you. Thank you for making what once was impossible possible. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.